Hello, Teague. Look at Henry. Now back to me. Look at Henry. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he used the same podcast equipment as I do, he could sound like he's me. Look at, look at the ground. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the podcast your podcast could sound like. Look away. Now back to me. What's that in my hand? What's that in your hand? Oh, I have it. It's an oyster filled with two tickets to that thing that you love. Look away. Back again. The tickets are now diamonds. Anything is possible when your podcast is a podcast like mine and doesn't look like Henry. I'm on Stuart. Listening to Will and Stu's Rantcast, and Will is continuing his tradition of not doing any favors to quell the rumors that we are a gay couple. I feel raped again. Anyway, welcome to Will and Stu's Rantcast. I'm Stuart. The rumors aren't true, by the way. And I'm here with. Will! Hooray! Stuart, re- really, you should take my cock out of your ass. Just because the way it is, it feels great for me, but I'm sure it's very uncomfortable for you. Right. I'm going to set you a challenge, Will. And this challenge, if you win, I will give you a tenner. This challenge is to get through this entire podcast without making a single gay joke. Starting from whenever you accept. Ooh... You're a faggot, you're a faggot, you're a fucking faggot. I accept. Okay, and if you fail this challenge, you have to give me a turn. Right. Shake on it. <laughs> there, we shook on it. Right. Today, we're doing a new segment of the show, which is called Rock Profile, I suppose. Uh, Will and Stuart talk about some bans and make no damning allegations towards their drugs violations. Yeah, we're going to look at um, the 
album history of a, of a band and talk about a couple of the songs off the albums. Um, and we're starting this off with uh, the, the thrash metal band Anthrax uh, because their new album's out on Monday. I still doubt that. It's taken them eight years. Ever since they announced, hey, our new album's coming out on the 12th of September, my immediate thoughts were, yeah, right. And there's still a week to go, so I'm guessing that on Sunday they're going to announce, um, yeah, Joey Belladonna's no longer the lead singer. Or, yeah, Charlie Benanti's not in it anymore. So, yeah, we're going to re-record the album. Not going to release it, no. I have the album. I hate you. Yeah. And it's awesome. But we'll get to that. Right, well, um, Anthrax are a little band from New York City. New York? Oh, Kyle, New York. Um, and the current lineup, because I can't bother to do the original lineup, the current lineup is Scott Ian on rhythm guitar, uh, and he's the face of Anthrax, you'd know him, because um, he's Scott Ian. Charlie Bonanti on drums, and he's a fantastic drummer. Frank Bello on bass, and he's crazy. Rob Cagliano, Cagliano on lead guitar, and he's pretty good. And Joey Belladonna on vocals, and Joey Belladonna is a god. Yeah, if we went through the entire Anthrax lineup and all their former members, we'd be here till the end of existence, and this podcast would be even longer than the last two that we've done. Yeah, this is going to be a fairly concise episode, I think. At least in comparison to the last rape that we did. Yeah. Um, right. The first album is... Uh, well, their first studio album is called Fistful of Metal. It was released in December 1983. And um, I suppose I'll tell you the band members that are on this album. Not go through the whole lineup, but who the, the changes on this album uh the original singer was neil turbin and dan lilka was on bass and basically this album um isn't very good well it has its moments i mean neil turbin's not that great but yeah that and scotty and i love scotty and but he has recently come out and said Anthrax have never let anyone down in their, like, 30 years as a band. Yeah, have you talked to Neil Turbin recently, Scott? Yeah, well, um, this this album, it's sort of the... It gives a good indication of what's going to come from Anthrax over the next 30 years. Oh, God, it's been nearly 30 years. Um... And um, you've got some great tracks on here, um, such as uh, Metal Thrashing Mad, which is an absolutely fantastic Anthrax song. Uh, Soldiers of Metal is really good as well. Um, And Death Rider, which um, just jumps out at me because it's one of the main writers is Neil Turbin. but as well as that, they've also got their own self-titled song on it, like other bands like Iron Maiden, and it's got a song called Anthrax on it. 
because um, assuming uh, I assume I don't actually know, but I assume that they weren't called Anthrax until the very last until after they'd written that song. Um, and it's also got a great cover of I'm 18, the Alice Cooper song, which is ironic given the day that we're recording this because the new Alice Cooper album is coming out on the same day as the new Anthrax album. Um, but that cover of I'm 18 is very good. It's one of the first Anthrax songs I heard. But um, the true highlight of this album is probably Metal Thrashing Mad. Um, Stuart, have you heard any of the songs off this album? Because I don't know you've not listened to the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I've just heard Metal Thrashing Mad because you can't actually get this album at the moment because um, you, you can only really get it on get it on Amazon. That's the thing with a lot of Anthrax albums; they aren't in stores over here for some reason. Like they sell all of Megadeth and like all of Metallica and all of Slayer, but they don't sell all of Anthrax for some reason. Anthrax are one of the most underrated metal bands on the planet. Like some people, some people say they shouldn't be part of the Big Four because they're, they're like a sort of extra add-on band they're not they're like they've got so many good tunes that they and like what other metal band can end on any song out any song they want out of all their classics I mean Metallica have to end on Seek and Destroy yes they do they can't end on Creeping Death because that just sucks Slayer have to end on Angel of Death Megadeth have to end on Holy Wars Anthrax can choose whatever the fuck they want they can choose Court in the Marsh Indians I Am The Law which is what they usually choose or Madhouse which is my personal favourite yeah, they, although they do normally end on something like I Am The Law, because it's... Yeah, yeah, but if you look through their past set lists, it varies a lot more than all the other bands. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, this album, it's... I, I'm going to be honest, it's probably the lowest point for Anthrax. There is a bit later on where we're going to see a slight dip, especially in my opinion, of their work but uh this is probably the only album that i wouldn't openly recommend partly because you can't actually get it but uh i've got it uh and it's um the the main highlights you can find or you can watch on youtube um stuff like metal thrashing mad um and they do tend to play that live um, not as often as most other songs, but they have been known to play that live. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to give it a. I'm going to be. I'm going to be right down the middle, and I'm going to give it a five out of ten. Um, it's sort of. Uh, I need to just address quickly the rating system because whenever I think of something being five out of ten. I always think, oh, well, that's bad. But no, really, because 5 out of 10 is perfectly average. Um, so this is perfectly average. Something that I give seven, six, or 6 or 7 out of 10 is good. 8 or 9 is great, and then 10 is obviously perfection. But this is just an average album. It's It sets you up. It's, it's anthrax at the end of the day. It's them finding their footing in the world and they don't quite find it on this record uh, so I have to give it a 5 Stuart, do you have any opinion? Yeah, I'd have to kind of agree with what I've heard of it, because they were still trying to find their sound here and they have because Anthrax have always been silly that's always kind of been the point of Anthrax Like, and that, and that 
our mark work is it's fucking horrendous but it sums up the record perfectly it's like it's silly it's metal we're still trying to get to grips with it but it's silly and metal so there's going to be promises of good things in the future yeah that cover by the way I'm, we're going to mention the covers for all the others so I might as well mention this one is of someone having a fist punched through their face um, that is wrapped in chains and has spikes sticking out of it. It's um, a fairly... It's called a fistful of metal, so that sort of makes sense. But it's an absolutely dreadful cover. Um, It's the sort of thing that you... If you saw that in the shop, you'd turn it around just to save yourself. Um, Which is unfortunate for a debut, because stuff like Kill Em All has got a great... first cover up but um what also what you said just a minute ago Stuart, about um them being the silly ones they are basically just a big group of nerds whereas slayer are the deadly serious ones um megadeth are the sort of misunderstood ones and metallica are the successful ones these are just the nerds who can play instruments and the best part is that they play them really really well I know, that's what I love about Anthrax, because they're different. They're like, it's not really the dumb thing in thrash metal to do it with a smile on your face and, like, paying homage to all this nerdy shit, which is why I love them, really. And which is why I'm not such a fan of the John Bush years, which is what we'll get onto later. Yeah. Next album is Spreading the Disease, which is uh, was released in October 1985. And now they've got um, Joey Belladonna on vocals, and he's their most well-known singer. And they've also got uh, replaced their bassist, and now Frank Bellow is on bass. And Frank Bellow is insane. Um, but this is um, a marked improvement over the last album. Um, this is probably one of the best Anthrax albums. Um, The cover depicts um, a man on an operating table surrounded by people wearing gas masks who are trying to hold him down. It's fucking insane. It's just... It sums up the album perfectly. It's mad and it's very, very silly. Which Which is kind of what the opening music video, the first music video that Anthrax ever released for Madhouse did as well. Because it starts with, like, loads of really close, wide-angle shots of, like, nurses going, it's time for your medication, and then a mad guy going, It's so silly, but so cool at the same time, and Madhouse is their best song, according to me. Yeah, well, getting on to the tracks, you've got things like AIR, which is a great track, uh, Armed and Dangerous, which is written by Neil Turbin, um, and that's really good. Um, You've also got Gung Ho, which is written by Neil Turbin, and that's all right. That's one of the weakest songs on the album. But then you've got Madhouse, which is definitely... It's Stuart's just said it's his favourite Anthrax song. Um, it's in my top five. It's up there. It's one of the songs that I can just put on and listen to for fun rather than because I want to be serious or edgy. I can just put this on and have a big fucking grin on my face from start till finish. It's a absolutely fantastic track. Um, does Stuart have anything else to say? 
Yeah, I mean, when 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 I say to people I like Anthrax, they just go really because they know because they they well obvi- obviously everyone's seen the video of a madhouse, but like people go because like of Belladonna's really high pitched vocals because okay, Belladonna is not a very good singer. I I understand that. But it's just he, he's not trying to be serious. He's anthrax. Anthrax is silly. That's the point of them, and 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 this this album sums it up perfectly. And Madhouse, Mad, Madhouse. That's why I love Madhouse so much because it's their anthem. I mean, it's rever- reverence to what Anthrax are, and like if if Belladonna did the, did the, did vocals like really seriously, like John Bush did, I just think it's not really what you're trying to do because a lot of metal vocals are, a lot of metal lyrics and the songs are very very silly it's just they're taken so seriously which is why I really can't get into them but yeah that's that's pretty much what this what this album does it takes what Fistful of Metal started and makes it sillier so yeah yeah um, right uh, out of 10 I'd probably have to give this one a 9 it's not the best Anthrax album but it is certainly uh, a marked improvement on the first, and it's their moment of transforming into the band that we know of today. And the next album, of course, is where that really takes off. But this is the seeds are sown here. They show that we are one of the best metal bands in the world, and we're going to continue being consistently great. Um, what would you give it out, Tim? Um. Uh, yeah, I'd probably give it an eight. Yeah, it's it's strong all around, really, but it is still mostly building up to the mighty colossus, which is the next album. Yes, next up we've got Among the Living, which is, uh, in my humble opinion, one of the greatest metal albums of all time. It's in my top ten albums of all time. Uh, metal albums of all time. It's in my top fifty albums of all time. Uh, and this is this is Anthrax's great moment. You've got the cover of the album is um, a group of people, um, tragic or all identical, and in the middle there's um, the Reverend Henry Kane, the villain from the Poltergeist series, standing there looking all creepy. Um, and it's just, it catches your eye just because he's a sort of spectral form and he's waving at you from the cover. And you can't even, from a, uh, a distance, you wouldn't even be able to tell that he's surrounded by people. Um, and it's also sort of got a lot of influence in the character of Randall Flagg from Stephen King's The Stand, um, which is also... Um, uh well the um the well, Randall Flag is the central theme of the title track uh which is sort of creepy but yeah it's all very heavily Stephen King influenced and um horror film influenced it's sort of showing that they're that they can they can do scary and fucked up and um yeah Stuart yeah, this is probably Anthrax's best album, as you said. And as you said, like, if you're a metalhead and you don't own Among the Living, you're not doing your job properly, really. I mean, it's one—it's one of the best thrash 
thrash records you can you can find because even even if you don't like anthrax and think that they're silly like there's such massive like riffs on here that just that just get in your head i mean like it's it's one of few albums that you can definitely say is like a hundred percent every track is a is a banger and you can just be like yeah like anthrax could play this entire album live in their whole set and leave out all their other classics and you can still go away impressed because like I mean, it's it's not it's not all horror. It's yeah yeah, it has a lot of horror influences, as you said, from like Stephen King and things like that. But there's also there's also like the Judge Dredd, um, I am the Law, which, as you said, uh, which is probably more their anthem than Madhouse is, which is what I think. But it, it it is it is big and silly, but yeah, it adds some horror elements to it, and just overall, yeah, you don't really need to listen to me saying. How awesome Among the Living is! You can just go and listen to it already. Yeah, um, the title track "Among the Living" is about um, the the novel "The Stand," uh, and that's absolutely fantastic. It's really sort of creepy and relentless, really. And uh, then "Caught in a Mosh," which is one of the greatest mosh songs ever. Um, "I Am the Law," which is their Judge Dread anthem. Um, yeah, and it just goes to show how terrible the Judge Dredd film that was made around the same time was, because they didn't utilise this. The Judge Dredd film was made ten years later. Still. Uh, and as I forgot to mention, this came out in March 1987. But um, other songs, uh, you've got... Uh, I'm going to get Stuart to pronounce this. Ephil Nekufesin. Ephil Nekufesin. NFL Nice Fucking Life, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's um, a great song. Um, the NFL part sticks in your head, obviously. Um, and it's sort of... that. It, I don't know. I don't I don't think that there's any intention behind it, but it, that makes me think of um, uh, the National Football League. Um, Indians is the other highlight of the album, which is about the plight of the Indians... Because Joey Belladonna is, of course, um, part Native American, um, and it just oh, it's it's great, and it's even it's the first album they've done that's included some acoustic guitar, um, which really sort of adds a layer to it. It's more. The, I, I'm going to be blatantly clear now. This is a masterpiece. It really is. It's also strangely. Anthrax is one of those bands that you would never think would be a good entry point into like getting into metal, but Among the Living kind of is a good way to like get people who've never thought really that they'd like metal before into these heavier riffs and things like that. Because Anthrax was one of the first ba- first metal bands I first got into because I first listened to Among the Living because um, the title track was used in a trailer for Clerks too. So like, so like fourteen, fifteen year olds. So, like, 15-year-old Stuart would just be sat there being all depressed and on his and drawing pictures of stickmen fucking each other on his computer. Yeah, I, I led a very sheltered teenage years. And I'd just be listening to Among the Living. And, yeah, it's a, it's a soundtrack to a depressing moment, depressing stage of my life, despite the fact it's silly as fuck. Yeah, um, getting on to our ratings, I'm going to have to give this a 10 out of 10, Stuart. Duh. Yeah, we concur. Right. Next up, we've got State of Euphoria, 
um, which came out in September 1988. And the cover for this one is a bit weird. It's um, they're the an the members of Anthrax trapped in some vortex that's swirling, in, and the the title and band name are on it four times, and it's very very it's pretty clever actually it's um it draws your eye to it and sort of entrances you which is sort of the point um now this obviously wasn't going to be as good as among the living um it it's such a shame because it's been diminished by the excellence of among the living um because this is a return to um, sort of the um, spreading the disease style of anthrax, um, where they're it's hard to explain. They've all, they've almost taken a, a step backwards rather than a step forwards. They've stepped back into where they're comfortable rather than exploring new, exploring more what they were developing on Among the Living. Um, they've got some great tracks on here they've got um their cover of trusts antisocial which is one of their best tracks um misery loves company which is influenced by the stephen king novel misery and now it's dark which is influenced by david lynch's film blue velvet um and it's it's a great um piece it's it's again it's got those horror elements but it's also um very sort of it's it, I, I i hesitate to use the word sparse but it feels sparse um be all and end all one of the tracks on the album has gone on to become one of their bigger pieces but it's very much a this is very much unfortunately as good as the actual album is it's a failure compared to Among the Living, which was a gateway. This is more more of the same, really, rather than being something truly engaging. Stuart? I like how we're talking very, very seriously about a band that released an album with that cover. With, like, all of them going, ha, 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 in a yellow and red vortex. I like to think that... Um, when Scott Ian decided to ask Joey Belladonna to rejoin the band, he had dreams of Joey Belladonna just going around that vortex and around and around going, you failed, Scott. You've made an album that no one's going to like. Get me back in the band. And then he decided to re-record the vocals. Um, Yeah, I don't really remember much about State of Euphoria beyond that cover. Um, And, of course, the fact that Antisocial was on it. Um... Yeah, it's one of those albums that you get to antisocial and you think, I don't want to listen to the rest of it, really. I mean, the rest of it's really, really good, but antisocial, anti-social, which is a cover, just sort of sticks out. It's like, it's like when I listen to the White Album by the Beatles. I get to while my guitar gently weeps and I'm just, like, stuck on replaying that song again and again and again. But, yeah, it's a decent album. Yeah, um ratings now i'm going to give that one a solid eight out of ten Stuart. um yes i am it's all right just a bit sporadic yeah next up we've got persistence of time which has an absolutely 
fantastic cover. It's a clock with skeletons on it, with skulls as the clock face, and with an orange skyline. With an orange skyline, as Stuart's just reinformed me, even though I can see it in front of me. Um, this is awesome. Uh, it's a great cover. It was released in August 1990, and this is the moment that, and this is the album that should. As good as I, as much as I like State of Euphoria, this is the album that should have followed uh, Among the Living. This is them progressing their music um, even further. It's very, um, very. It, it's a really. It's their most serious album, I think. Compared with that, they've got a light-hearted edge to all their other stuff. This is deadly serious, and it's it benefits from that because it's just it's played straight rather than for tongue-in-cheek purposes. Um, Stuart, what do you think? Um, I, I wouldn't say that it's totally serious because songs like Blood, which um. Include lyrics as oh fuck I'm trying to remember. Okay, I can't I can't I can't, rem- I can't remember the lyrics to Blood although I do like it, which isn't so serious because it was used um as a soundtrack to a Tales from the Crypt film, which is about uh two frat boys going to a brothel and having sex with a lot of vampires. Um, Persistence of Time though is probably my favourite Anthrax album. And I know what I said about Among the Living is like so awesome, but it's like Persistence of Time is more solidly solidly built like through throughout all the songs seem to just sort of flow together really well and yeah it's it's play it's played serious as you said because like they're like approaching political and philosophical edges in like time the title track time and um and keep it in the family which is about racism which you'd never thought you'd hear from anthrax although of course we've had indians which is a bit sillier than than you'd expect from a song about racism. Um, over overall, though, Persistence of Time, it makes for one of their more serious albums. But you can hear you can hear them growing as a band, and like when you get to Persistence of Time, and now you know that they replaced Joey Belladonna with John Bush, you're thinking, well, you, well, you were onto a good thing here. I mean, Persistence of Time, it's a really solid album that shows that you're growing. And what could you do after that? And and just to think that you changed your lead singer about halfway through your career just makes me think, like, did you just give up? Yeah. Um, yeah, as Stuart, I think, mentioned just there, um, this is the last Joey Belladonna album until their latest album. Um, so we've got a... We're entering the John Bush era now, but this is um, this has got some absolutely stunning tracks on it. Keep It In The Family is fantastic. In My World is fantastic. Uh, Got the Time, their Joe Jackson cover, is amazing. It's just one of those albums that's that should have got more recognition as a piece of art rather than something light-hearted and fun. It's, it's, it's making me feel really serious, which is strange because this show is normally really funny. And we've gone deadly serious over this because we love Anthrax so much, and it's really hard. I, I feel like I'm, I we love it. We want to use it on you, you bastards. We hate you all. 
See, I, I really feel like I'm going to cry. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go right ahead and give this a rating 10 out of 10 straight away. We love this band with a passion. I love Persistence of Time, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Next up, we've, we're entering the John Bush era. Um, this is where we have a bitch fight. Yeah. Um, this is Sound of White Noise, released May 1993. Um, and... It's the moment, it's the last album to feature uh, Dan Spitz on guitar, but the first to feature John Bush, who is the lead singer, or who was, and is he still the lead singer? Armored returned recently, I think. He's the lead singer of Armored Saint, and Armored Saint are an absolutely awesome band. Uh, But John Bush, if you compare John Bush to Joe Belladonna, they are completely different in almost every way and you wouldn't think of John Bush as being an anthrax singer and in many ways I'm going to say that he is just as good as Joe Belladonna um, Stuart may not okay here's the thing a lot of people say that John Bush is a better singer than Joe Belladonna this is true this does not mean he should be in Anthrax. I like John Bush in Armoured Saint. I don't like him in Anthrax because he's not an Anthrax singer, because he is serious. Sound of White Noise is, at heart, a grunge album. It's, it sounds a lot more grungy than a lot of Anthrax's previous stuff, which I admit is a very was a very good way to go, because a lot of Anthrax's earlier, thrashier stuff had a, had a more fuzzy feel to it, and... Grunge and grunge itself kind of has a fuzzy feel to it anyway, which so, so it sort of works as a transition over. It's just J- John Bush isn't an Anthrax singer; he's he's an Armored Saint singer. Joey Belladonna, he yeah yeah, all right. It was very silly, and by this point, they didn't really want to do silly as much. But Persistence of Time had already proved that they could still be silly, but still have Joey Belladonna as a singer. So what's the point in getting rid of him and replacing him with someone you know is going to be a lot more serious? Yeah, it is completely. Um, it is a completely different feeling album. It's got more. It's got even darker influences than most of their previous albums. This has got um, songs like "This Is Not an Exit," which is directly based on American Psycho, um, and are really sort of messed up in terms of lyrics. Um, the, you've also got stuff like Black Lodge, which is um, based on or influenced at the very least by um, Twin Peaks, um, which is um, has contributions from Angelo Badalamenti, the um, composer of or the conductor of uh, Twin Peaks, um, and it's also. It also boasts the song Only, which is one of, if not the best, tracks from the John Bush era of Anthrax. It's an anthem to the point where Joey Belladonna sings it with them live now. It had that much of an impact on them. This is, this is a, as an Anthrax album, this is terrible. As a metal album, this is fantastic. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Stuart? Um, yeah. 
Anthrax kind of sound like three different bands. No, f- five different bands, I'd say. They sound like the Neil Turbin era Anthrax, which are just kind of like a silly thrash metal band. They sound like Joey Belladonna classic era Anthrax, which is a very silly thrash metal band that have their own unique sound. And then for the first little bit of the John Bush years, they sound kind of like a grunge band. And yeah, it's it's not really an Anthrax album, but you can still kind of argue that it is because it still has that same feel to the earlier, the older, thrashier, um, jo- sillier Joey Belladonna albums. Because yeah, it's, it still has a lot of um, tributes to uh, like their nerd their nerdy films that they like, which is kind of why we like them so much, really, because they're nerds like us. Um, it's an awesome album, though. Crap cover art, though, as well. Yeah, the cover for this one is just really um, generic. Yeah, it's like a blurry sort of X-ray, and it's just it's not a great cover. Um, yeah, but overall, this album I'm going to give it a solid seven out of ten. Stuart, agreed. Seven out of ten. It's all right. Next up, we're moving into the second dark age of Anthrax. Um, this is um, Stomp 442. I would really like to have been at the photo shoot for that cover. Yeah, the cover is a ball of... Is that people? Or just rubbish? rubbish. A ball of rubbish just sitting there with a man next to it who's swap, swept it all together. Um, and it's a really, really good cover. I really like that cover. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those... How much of the album's budget went into producing that cover? That's what I'd like to know. A lot of it, probably. Because this album, to call it awful, would be a compliment. Fueled is good, but that's it. Yeah, it's got fuel... Fueled and maybe I could I could see the track nothing being kind of okay, but this is the first album without Dan Spitz on guitar. Um, they there's no credit for who the guitarist is, but it's Paul Crook, um, and he's just not very good. Uh, the sound is off. The guitars are absolutely terrible, um, and it's just this is the only i'm gonna say this and the next album's not great either but this is the only moment in anthrax where i felt offended to be listening yeah following up i mean sound of white noise wasn't that great but still follow it up with this yeah you're not making a very good argument for replacing your lead singer halfway through your career when you were actually doing really well yeah it this is just oh I can't even really talk about this one. It's just so generically bad. It's not even got the... Do you know what? I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not even going to count this as an Anthrax album because I've just noticed the proper Anthrax logo isn't even on the cover. Yeah, true. This this must have been... Because they were trying to reinvent themselves with Sound of White Noise, but they still had like their old influences and their old general style. This is probably where they were trying to reinvent themselves for the 90s because it was around the time where lots of old bands were thinking, okay, we've got to sound new and, yeah, like we're going with the times, yeah, we've got to, we've got to be new because uh, cause this was the moment where Scott Ian was kind of going, 
let's market this album. Let's let's do a lot of different things with it. But like, yeah, I, I understand. I understand doing a lot of different things and trying trying to be progressive and moving and moving yourself forward. It's just this sounds like a step like a step to the side where we're like going with all the other general metal bands at the moment. Because that's why I don't like John Bush's singing on Anthrax because it just sounds like a general metal band and Anthrax have always had their own sound and this just sounds like they're killing their own sound just so they can be more commercial. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just so... Oh, I don't even... <laughs> Three out of ten. Stuart? Agreed. Next up, we've got Volume 8, The Threat Is Real, uh, which has a fantastic cover, um, which is um, a giant eight ball falling from the sky and to destroy a city, um, which is a really, really fun cover. It sort of implies that they're going back to fun anthrax rather than serious anthrax. Um, this came out in July 1998, and... Um, yeah, it's sort of, it's much, much, much better than Stomp 442, but it still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, you've got some great songs like Inside Out is great, but they're, they lack something because at this point they have no, um, lead guitarist. Um, so they're going through various lead guitarists. Um, so on this album, they've got Paul Crook on some of it, and his guitars again aren't that great. They they're sort of improved, but they're not still not great. Um, otherwise, they're just just stripped down band with just Scott Ian on guitar, which is fine, but it's not really Anthrax. And then the best songs of the album are Inside Out and Born Again, Idiot, which have Dimebag Daryl from Pantera and Damage Plan on guitar. And that, had Dimebag Daryl joined Anthrax, that would have been the greatest... That that would have redefined everything that happened from this point. It would have made the... It, it would have made... If he had been the guitarist on the whole album, in fact, this would be, probably be up there as one of their best albums. But as it is, it's a fairly average album with a couple of great tracks. Yeah, as you said, this is where they were more going back to their whole sillier style. Because you could tell with Stomp 442, I mean, admittedly that album cover is ridiculous, but they were you could tell with that that they were trying to go a bit more with the times and serious because of the whole image of the Native American standing next to a load of garbage, which is just like, yeah, it's oh so sad. It's just Indian. In Indians were serious and tackled that subject and it still felt silly like anthrax um yeah i haven't heard a whole lot of this album but it it, do, it does bring back some of that older sillier style and yeah the track the track with dimebag daryl is obviously awesome rest in peace um yeah but as a whole though it doesn't really hold up nearly as well as some of their older stuff it, it's an improvement but it doesn't really hold up that well and will just generally be referred to as the album with the magic eight ball on the on the cover. Yeah, overall this one just gets a very average six out of ten. Stuart, agreed. It was kind of it's kind of really obvious why it took them a whole five years to come up with the next one. 
Yeah. Uh, but when that one came along, it was a vast improvement. And now we get on to their ninth studio album, We've Come For You All, which has a fantastic cover of the band members holding on to all, or there's all these hands reaching towards them and they're grabbing hold and it's sort of an eerie creepy painted cover um and yeah it's it's painted by alex ross who is um a very famous comic book artist and it sort of that alone ties it back into the early days of anthrax and it also features, um, it's the first album to feature Rob Caggiano on um, lead guitar. Uh, there's also appearances by Roger Daltrey and Dimebag Darrell on the album. It's just such a great, great improvement. Um, songs like What Doesn't Die, Safe Home, Taking the Music Back. Strap it on Cadillac Rock Box. We're a happy family. The Ramones cover all sorts. This is them trying to convert John Bush to the ways of Anthrax and try and make themselves relevant again. Um, and it's just so, oh, it's so such a breath of fresh air after the last two albums. Um, it's so much darker than the last. It's heavier. Um, it's maybe the heaviest thing they've recorded. Certainly the heaviest thing they recorded with John Bush. But it's just... This is as close to flawless as the John Bush era got. Agreed. Although this is another point where we get into a Will and Stuart bitch fight. I wouldn't say this is an Anthrax album. Like like with Sound of White Noise, it is good. There's no denying that. If you listen to it, you can think, all right, this is a really good metal album. But it doesn't really fit in with the whole Anthrax sound. Because it doesn't... Admittedly, by this point, yeah, they're trying to make themselves sound more relevant and more modern. And it does sound like that. It's just, if it had, like... If it had had a different lead singer, I reckon I'd probably like it more as an Anthrax fan... It's just John Bush on this album sounds like every other metal singer out there, which doesn't really fit with what Anthrax are. It is an awesome album, though, I admit that. It it does have some sillier elements to it, which... Because it, like, has a zombie theme running through it, like, on the cover and through some of the songs, like, What Doesn't Die, which still... What... It's not that it's... It's not that it's bad. It's awesome. I understand that, and I really like it, and I always and I put it on every now and then, now and again, every time I feel like listening to it. It's just it's not an Anthrax album. I love it. I just don't see it as an Anthrax record. Yeah, um, I see what you mean. It's not truly an Anthrax record. It's more. It's more a very, very, very heavy metal record some members of Anthrax happen to be making but that aside I'm going to have to give it um, a solid 8 out of 10 yeah same here and we move on after that briefly to the greater of two evils 
Uh, yeah, next up we've got very, 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 very briefly. They did Anthrax did a well, they they did um, a compilation album, Attack of the Killer Bees. Before that, which featured um, some of their tracks that aren't um, on studio albums, such as Bring the Noise, their um, mashup with um, uh, with Public Enemy, and I'm the Man, which is their um, attempt that the first rap metal song. Um, and there's not really much to say about that other than the fact that it's um, a decent funny album yeah that's why it says under genre thrash metal comma comedy it is funny and uh, their version of bring the noise it, it, it is funny and it did help define the rap metal genre it's just listening to this i can see why people can't really get into anthrax or take it seriously um uh moving back to greater of two evils because we totally forgot to mention ta- um the killer bee stuff that they did Greater of Two Evils was basically recorded because they were like, yeah, John Bush is a singer, and he sounds modern and metal, and people can get into us now. So they were basically just re-recording older Anthrax tracks for people who were just getting into Anthrax. And with their new guitarist as well. Yeah, so we get slightly inferior versions of the originals totally out of tune, done in one studio take. Yeah, you clearly didn't want to pump a whole lot of money into this, did you? Yeah, it was done to make a quick buck, really. And um, I suppose it did um, get them a quick buck. But it's sort of undermined by the fact that within about 18 months of that, um, 18 months of this, um, John Bush was out of the band and Rob Caggiano was out of the band. And Joey Bandonna and Dan Spitz were back for the 20th anniversary reunion tour of Among the Living. Yeah, which is why this album kind of feels pointless, really. It does, it really, really, really does. But um, since then, Dan Spitz has left the band again and Rob Caggiano has come back. Um, Then they had, Anthrax had Dan Nelson in their band for a little while as their new singer. Um, oh, let's let's not fucking gloss over that, by the way, because there was a fucking shitstorm over how long it took Anthrax to make another album. Yeah, um, we've come for you all, and uh, well, it came out in two thousand and three. Um, Greater of Two Evils came out in December two or November two thousand and four, and it took. Seven years for Anthrax to release another album. Uh, mainly because there were all of these, there were disagreements with Dan Nelson, their new singer, um, to the point where he eventually got, they got rid of him. They had John Bush back for a little while. Uh, then they got rid of him again. They got, And then they finally they got Joey Belladonna back and got to recording. So it's been a solid seven years of arguments and... I think they came very close to breaking up, but um, Scott Ian's managed to keep them together, and um, they came out with their latest album, Worship Music. Yeah, it's just... 
with, with the time that it took them to make this album, you just think that... I mean, because Scott Ian's had a baby with his wife recently. You must just think... People must have been really irritable towards all the members of Anthrax, like his wife saying... Uh, Scott, could you come and help me change some baby's nappy? Oh, wait, forget it. You'll probably just take forever on that as well. Because it took them so long to do it. I mean, the the reason that they were on the verge of breakup was because they decided, yeah, it's not really working with Joey because he sounded shit when he, was, um, when he was performing Among the Living Live with us recently. But that's, pro- that's probably just because he was burned because he got kicked out of the band for absolutely no reason after the persistence of time was fucking amazing. It's just... And then uh, and then afterwards, John Bush wouldn't come back to them. And then they got burned by getting a new guy in. And Dan Nelson, if you've seen clips of him live, he's he was actually really good. Admittedly, he didn't... Again, he didn't sound like an anthrax singer. But he was, like fucking in your face and loud as loud as shit just what why why did you why did you get rid of him um on the belladonna note they got rid of belladonna initially because he was a violent alcoholic and wasn't turning up to gigs and all sorts because he was going out and getting drunk and waking up halfway across the country when they needed him for a gig in new york he'd wake up in seattle well, point, but still, 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 that doesn't really excuse like ten years of Anthrax not really sounding like Anthrax. Still, though, I've heard I've heard some of the stuff that Dan Nelson did, and it doesn't really excuse like them getting rid of him and spending like two years with their thumbs up their asses not really doing anything. I mean, admittedly, it's not nowhere near as bad as the makers of Duke Nukem Forever spending twelve years, presumably. Th- playing Strip Twister, twiddling their thumbs and eating hash cookies, but fucking, it took them so long, and in in the meantime, Scott Ian went away and recorded an album with the damn things, which was alright, it's just don't give Anthrax anything to do that is going to stop them from writing this album. And they had a- and they had actually recorded this entire album with Dan Nelson back in 2009, and were on the verge of releasing it, and a month before they released it, they got back together with John Bush for Sonosphere. And you're just like, what's the point of that? Exactly. It's the mo- one of the most... It's not quite as delayed as stuff like Chinese Democracy oh, yeah. by Guns N' Roses, which took 17 years to come out. Yeah, Guns N' Roses, who announced earlier this year that we're going to release another album this year, to which every Guns N' Roses fan said, I really fucking doubt that. Even the people who don't like Guns N' Roses... Even the people who don't like Guns N' Roses said I really fucking doubt that. Including me. Fuck you, Axel. Yeah. But anyway, it's been a long time, and now we've got Worship Music, which is out on Monday. Um, I've heard it. Stuart has heard bits of it. Um, Basically, this is exactly what Anthrax should be. It's a return to form. They've got the funny, they've got the serious. The cover is um, them, well, it's just zombies attacking the Anthrax logo. Um, It's just, it's powerful. This is how they should be. You've got um, great songs like The Devil You Know, Fight Until You Can't, uh, I'm Alive, which is my favourite album, the track on the album. 
in the end, him to well, not the hymns are quite tetchy, but uh, Judas Priest is great, and they've also got a cover of New Noise by the Refused. Um, and this is without a doubt the best thing Anthrax recorded in my lifetime. Um, yeah, as, as you said, I haven't heard any of it. I really want to hear the Refused cover because. Joey Belladonna singing New Noise by Refused would just be... It sounds horrendous in your head, but when I actually hear it, I assume it's going to be very funny. It's amazing. Uh, This is... I suppose I'll be doing more talking because I've actually heard it. But it's unique. It feels like stuff like Among the Living and Persistence in Time. But... It's also an anthrax who have learned how to develop themselves through their work with Joey, not with Joey, with um, John Bush, and they've become it's they become a much better band over that time. Um, the material they've released over the last twenty years has been fairly lacking but they're actually a much better band now than they were 20 years ago and bringing Joey Belladonna into the mix it adds that flair that is just absolutely fucking fantastic it's oh this is a perfect album yeah I can't I can't wait for the reaction to this album because People have been really sceptical of this album because it's taken so long to be released. And I reckon that once this album gets released, and if Anthrax... Because when We've Come For You All was released, if Anthrax had released another really good album with John Bush on vocals, I don't reckon they would have got back together with Belladonna, and I reckon reckon they would have got a bit bigger with um, John Bush. But now that they've released this, which, like We've Come For You All, is really, really good, and if they make another one... I, re- I reckon a lot more people will regain respect for the band that have just asked around and not done anything for half a decade. This is the new beginning for Anthrax. This is everything that I would have wanted, everything I prayed for. This is the redefinition of their music. This is metal at its best, and I really, really, really hope that we get another new album before the end of this decade because it would be it can only get better another another album before the end of this decade i'm hoping for another three albums before the end of this decade do not and everyone if anyone who listens to this knows any member of anthrax do not give them anything else to do in that time that will stop them from making another album okay it's been long enough waiting for this. We do not want to wait another five, six, or seven fucking years for another album. Okay, just make more. I really want to hear. I'm really excited to hear this album. Make more. It's been fucking, God knows how long, and there's only a few days left, and I can finally buy this album. Yeah, this is a solid ten out of ten from me. I can't wait for just to see the reaction to it, because I can't see any reason that anyone would have a negative... Well, I can see many reasons why people would have a negative opinion of this album, but I want to see them just 
try to justify it because they will struggle and that I can only see people just saying things like oh it's stupid or oh it's lame but there's no way that they can actually properly justify those opinions with this album 10 out of 10 thank god for worship music exactly they it feel it feels more like they mean it as well now cuz we heard them at sonosphere um this year and they were on fucking fire they seem a lot more happier with the music they're making now than they were back back in the john bush years and shamefully with Dan Nelson as well because Dan Nelson was a really good vocalist and I would have liked to have heard worship music with him on vocals but this sounds like it's going to be better really because I love Joe Bernard oh I can't wait for this album oh I'm going to go and listen to it again and I'm going to wait until Monday because I like to obey the rules of music releases so do I if they just released it, like, now, it, technically it's out in Japan now, so. I would say lucky bastards, but people would probably think I'm insensitive because they've, because of the tsunami. <laughs> right, well. We fit, we fit, we fitted in one really offensive joke <laughs> into an hour. The only reason that we've been talking so seriously is because we love this band. Yeah, this has been our most serious episode. One of the silliest metal bands. Yeah, and um, don't worry though, listeners, you can look forward to a far funnier episode coming soon. We're not sure what it'll be about, but it'll probably be about the battle between AIDS and Super AIDS or something stupid like that. Um, yeah, wow, this has been this has been one hell of a podcast. Next time, Will and Stuart will f- face their biggest challenge yet, the bookworm. A deadly nerd who reads books and shit. That's about it. Yeah, and as we end this recording, I just have one thing to say to you, Stuart. Ten pounds, please. Oh, yeah, you didn't make a pussy joke. No, a gay joke. I didn't make any jokes. That is true. Is that why we've been so serious throughout this entire recording? I've been trying my best not to say rude jokes because I really want £10. Hey, I didn't say rude jokes. I said gay jokes. I know, but I've not made any gay jokes. Hooray, £10. Fine, I'll buy you a copy of Worship Music. I don't want a copy of Worship Music. I've got a copy of Worship Music. Fuck you. (laughs) In the end of the day.